Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We're so glad to have you here listening with us as we listen and talk to each other. Thanks for picking this podcast among the many that you have at your disposal. We'd love it if you'd go ahead and leave us a rating and review. Five stars are helpful, but we also want to know the truth, like what you really think, because it helps us get better because we do this for you, student ministry leader. Also, leaving a rating and review helps other people find the podcast as they search for student ministry content on their platform of choice. We love to read all those. We do change based on what feedback we get. So thanks for doing that. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, alongside actually in the studio the one and only producer, Nathan. What's up? How's it going? It's good, man. We were just commenting off air. Like we usually do this from home now. Yep. But I am, I might be persuaded to do this. We have a whole day coming up. Where we we're do gonna, have a whole day. Where we're In gonna... the brand new producer, Nathan, extra spare bedroom podcast studio. <laughs> Got right. a fresh coat of paint on it last night. So it's almost ready. High on paint fumes. Oh, it, and yeah. it'll be. That'll Primer be and paint fumes. You Has know. the mural come down? The mural, it, it's, it's taken more coats than I would, than I wanted to make cover up the mural. So, Mike, I had this when I moved in. I guess it was a nursery from the family that lived there before. And there's this two-tone tree with leaves on the wall, I guess, in the, you know, the listing pictures. It had like a crib in front of it or something. So, of course, I just, you know, didn't care because I didn't use the in. room. <laughs> and so I hadn't painted it yet until now that it's it would be my background now, the podcast studio. So I didn't. Well, it sounds it, lovely. You know, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's yeah, a good so, word for it. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have you have heard the voice of. Mike McGarry, uh, who's joining us today. Mike, it's great to have you back. This is, uh, you've been with us before, so thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. So I'll, I'll tell the people a little bit about you uh, in case they're new listeners or weren't here for the last uh, last time you were on. Mike is the youth pastor at South Shore Baptist Church in Hingham, Massachusetts, founder and director of Youth Pastor Theologian. Uh, you can follow him at Youth Theologian uh, on the socials, so you can get some uh, more information about what Mike's doing there. He and his wife have two youth group-aged kids. Mike is passionate about equipping youth workers to practice theology and student ministry and is the author of A Biblical Theology of Youth Ministry, Lead Them to Jesus, A Handbook for Youth Workers, and Discover, Questioning Your Way to Faith. And that is coming up. Yeah, it's coming That's up. That's a new one in July. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll talk about that in just a minute. He's also the host of Youth, pa Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, so fellow podcaster in the youth ministry space and co-host of Thanos to Theos, a podcast that explores comics, culture, theology, and youth ministry. All right. Having said all of that, we're yeah. glad you're here. I want to hear about the new book. Tell us what you can. I'm sure you want to keep it a little under wraps, but it comes out July 2023. So we'll have you yeah, back. Yeah, it's coming out. But, and um, so the idea with, with this book is it, it's a book that's written for students and, um, you know, students have a lot of really big and difficult questions that they ask and they usually feel like they're the only ones who are asking the question. Yeah. So a lot of times they don't ask it or if they do ask it, they are like, I'm, I'm really sorry. I know I should know the answer to this, but and they'll, they'll ask you something that you know, theologians have been debating for the last 2000 years. <laughs> <laughs> like that's actually a really profound question. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it, it's 20 questions that students ask frequently and, uh, just a, a, a basic, uh, accessible biblical response to said questions. Um, and then there's a, a few discussion questions, 
at the end of each chapter. So you can give the book to students and they can read it and you know use a journal to process with the questions on their own, or you can read it with a student who you're mentoring and discipling, or you can read it in your small groups. And um, yeah, I put some I put some work into those questions because I Love think it. we've all in student ministry uh, read books and ha- that had questions at the end that you think this person clearly has never led yeah. discussion with teenagers. Thrown in there, yeah. <laughs> like these are so useless. Um, so uh, I can't promise everyone is gold, but um, I I am I am still actively a, a youth pastor and have you know tried uh, to be deliberate in providing some pr- helpful and productive. Uh, questions for you to be able to discuss with students who you're reading the book with. That's great, man. I love it. How for, for those 20 questions, are those questions that you have picked up over the years as students have asked you or did you how did you come up with the 20? I just made them up. Great. I <laughs> yeah, love that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what do I want to write? These are 20 big yeah. questions. Yeah, the, I'm I'm just going to choose my questions and say students want them. No, I mean they're they're questions that <laughs> Uh, a, a lot of them are questions that students are asking. Some of them are questions that students um, should be asking, and they ask kind of around that question. And sometimes the best thing that we can do is uh, hear students' questions and then be like, okay, so this is the question you should be asking about that topic. Yeah. So, I mean, some of them are, it's like, you know, what's the deal with the Trinity? So if if Christians are Trinitarian people and you cannot believe in uh, the gospel, right? If you can't be a Christian without believing the Trinity, how do we talk about the Trinity with teenagers? Um, you know, is the Bible actually reliable and trustworthy? Um, why do Christians care so much about sex? Um, you know, why is it such a big deal? Why is gender such a big deal? Um, you know, so, you know, how can we know that Jesus actually rose from the grave? Uh, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? Uh, they, these questions, that they're, they're, you know, innately theological and pastoral um, and gospel concerned questions. And so how do we um, how do we help students to navigate those and to take students seriously enough to say, um, you know, they, they need more than, you know, just fun and games and pizza. Right. Um, how are we really discipling students and helping them to form a biblical worldview? Well, one of the ways that you attack that in, your, in addition to your writing is the work that you do with youth pastors directly and the youth uh, youth pastor theologian that you've got going on. And again, if yeah. you want to follow youth, uh, it's youth theologian on social media. So you yep. can connect with Mike there. Um, but I, w- I want to talk about the Thanos podcast too. Yeah. Uh, and spend a little time there. You know, the audience can't see, but you've got the Thanos glove behind you. Yeah. The, the gauntlet. gauntlet. Yep. Not a glove. Clearly it's a, not gauntlet. a glove. It's a gauntlet. It is, yeah. uh, <laughs> you've got it behind you. So talk about uh, that podcast. It's different from the Youth Pastor Theologian, but there mm-hmm. clearly is a thread there that connects the two. Yeah. What's the heart behind it? How did you get there from your comic book guy? <laughs> so, like, tell, tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, Thanos of Theos is just a really fun podcast that frankly if no one listened to i think um myself and my co-host clark and and kevin i think the three of us would probably still uh just keep (laughs) recording and (laughs) and doing it just because it's a lot of fun uh we really enjoy the comics and the mcu um those those comic movies 
And um, yeah, we just think that it's it's common for Christians. I mean, you can go to college or seminary and take an entire course on the theology of the Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. And there are so many books about like the theology of the Chronicles of Narnia and even Harry Potter and, and things like that. Um, and so uh, this type of fantasy and myth writing um, is serious and there's real content to it. There's there's a worldview and a philosophy underneath uh, those stories that we tell. And I think comics really is very similar in that. And um, I mean, even if you look at the, the history of comic books uh, with Superman and Captain America and Iron Man, like Black Panther, and like there are so many cultural um, touch points that comics were reflecting uh, kind mm-hmm. of as Walt Mueller says, right? Like it culture is a, ref- is a map and a mirror, right? It, it reflects yeah. what's going on in our world. And it also helps normalize and direct us and uh, what, what things should be like. Yeah. So, I mean, when we look at, um, you know, the MCU and things that are going on in these movies, I mean, all of our kids are watching these movies and even the kids who don't like them, are very much aware of what's happening in them just because everyone else on TikTok is talking about it. Um, so if all of our kids are watching this um, and at least aware of it, um, it's, it's formative. It's, it's a window into the world that our students are living in. And it's a window into the culture uh, that's influencing our students. And so how do we think Christianly about the MCU and, you know, it is just a lot of fun. Um, so let's not think so deeply about it that we suck the joy out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's, there's real conversation points in there. That's not just a cheap Jesus juke. Like, oh yeah, you know, Captain America's your hero. You know, who's my superhero? Jesus. Cause he mm. saved the world too. <laughs> like, okay, stop yeah. it. Let's not go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's not be let's that way. There's not do that. No, there's plenty of books on finding Jesus in Harry Potter and finding Jesus in fill in the blank. So you, uh, in the description of the podcast, you talk about uh, an effort to contextualize the gospel to youth culture. And contextualization is something that is largely talked about in missionary environments Mm -hmm. and learning the community and learning the culture and learning the country and the place and the region. There's a lot of active contextualization that happens in mission environments. Yeah. So the, the uh, what I would throw to you is talk about the importance of contextualization, not just in what we would describe as a foreign mission environment, mm-hmm. but actually our own environments here, the, the youth environment. Why is contextualization just as important there? Yeah. Well, because we're communicators, right? Um, and so if you just think about just effective communication, uh, there's three things that are necessary. There's a sender, right? Someone who's sending a message. Uh, there's a receiver and there's the message itself. So effective communication is what, right? It's when the message that is sent is the same message that's received. Mm. And I think any of us have witnessed and experienced 
terrible communication where um, the message that was sent and the message that was received was not yeah. the same thing whatsoever. Um, and contextualization really is about effective communication and making sure that what we say to our, our students is the same thing that they receive. And so how do I say it? So I'm not changing the message. I'm just making sure that it gets delivered. Um, and I think a lot of people think about contextualization like, oh, like I need to make the gospel relevant and I need to make the Bible relevant. And it's like, stop it. No, like you do not make the Bible anything other than the word of God. Like the, the Bible is the word of God. Right. We don't change it. We don't twist it. We don't whatever it like we proclaim it. And so I love what Bonhoeffer says about uh, relevance. Uh, and so Bonhoeffer was a, a clear um, clearly says, uh, we do not make the Bible relevant. We display its relevance. The word of God is relevant. It is. If you don't see its relevance, then you don't understand the word of God, right? That is not the Bible's fault. That's kind of on you. So I'm filling in the gaps, right? So he, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, um, contextualization really, it, it's how, senders work to make sure the message that's received is the same message that they intend to send. And so um, in the podcast, we, we just think that the MCU um, and these comics and movies and Star Wars and things like that, these are windows um, into youth culture that help us to see the, the desires, the fears, the daydreams, the aspirations and hopes of the teenagers that we're ministering to so that way we understand how to deliver the gospel and the word of god to our students um you know because i don't i i just i don't think that people hear what they want to hear you know i mean i know that's what people say like, oh they just hear what they want to hear people hear what they expect to hear not what they want to hear so if students are expecting to hear something um, and you say a lot, but a short snippet of what you said is what people expected to hear, then guess what they just heard? They only heard what they expected to hear you say, not the full scope of what you said. And understanding youth culture and understanding kind of the worldview and the framework that our kids are living in. It helps us understand what our students are expecting to hear so then we can kind of speak into that expectation and then open up a bigger biblical worldview for them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that, Mike. I love especially that Bonhoeffer quote. Man, that's strong. So that leads perfectly into our next question. So what ways do you help students try to see that the Bible really is relevant in every day and time? And how do you help them see like some of those themes, whether it's in culture or just around and in the world? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's, that's a good question, right? So I think um, one of the things that I'm concerned about in youth work um, is um, I think that we have too small of, of an understanding of what the gospel is. Um, I, I think that in all this conversation about gospel-centered this and gospel-centered that, um, yeah. I'm all about gospel centrality, but um, what the heck does that mean, right? <laughs> I think like, it's different who, for people. Yeah. 
Like, who isn't gospel-centered? Like, who is going to raise their hand and be like, I am a Christian youth worker, and I am not gospel-centered? Like, ev- right? So, okay. So, what what does that actually mean? And so, I think through kind of just some basic frameworks uh, of things and say, okay, so there's a difference between being gospel-presence and being gospel-centered. Uh, and I think it really has to do with your understanding of the gospel. And I think in, in some ways that we've um, diluted the gospel. So the gospel is only um, an evangelism tool that we use um, for converting the lost, that the gospel is only about evangelism. And so um, uh, the way I think it through is that there's the narrow gospel and there's the broader gospel. And so the narrow gospel really is um, about the cross and the empty tomb. Yeah. Um, That is the message that we proclaim, right? That God saves sinners through Jesus. Uh, Confess your sin, repent of your sin, and find new life in Christ, right? That is is the gospel. Uh, But there's also the broader sense of the gospel. That's the whole sweep of Scripture, Right, creation, fall, redemption, glorification. Right, this framework mm-hmm. that I think many of us have have heard or are familiar with to, to various degrees, but there's this sense of the broader gospel that helps us to make sense of the entire world, and that makes us helps us make sense of what is the Christian life. Um, and if we only have an understanding of the narrow gospel, um, then I I don't know if it's possible to really do contextualization very well, which is why I'm kind of answering your your question and kind of going off on um, a theology of the gospel. Yeah, uh, because when we when we talk to students um, in our ministries, um, I mean, how many of our kids are riddled with anxiety and depression and and, and just this crushing sense of loneliness? What does the gospel have to say to them if they're already people who have placed their faith in Jesus? Does the gospel have anything to say other than, well, confess your sin and believe in Christ? And I think for for many of us, if we only have an understanding of the narrow gospel, then we don't really have any other gospel to give them because our gospel is too thin. Um and so uh, I, I really would just encourage us to, to really dig into the gospel. And uh, there are a few on-ramps that I think through um, that um, it's probably going to be my next book. I'm still working on, I'm working on a book proposal on this now. So <laughs> publishers who are listening in, uh, give, 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 me a, give me a holler, publishers, if, if you want this, right? So, but we think through the, these, these on-ramps, and this is how I think about contextualization as an on-ramp. It's, it's not something that we are um, hooking. We don't hook the gospel onto the culture. We look at culture and as, as on-ramps that lead us to the gospel, right? Because it's not about the culture. It's about the gospel. Okay. So I think so this, about... This is yeah. the exact question I was about to ask you. Yeah. Is, particularly in the MCU and these hero movies yeah. that do reflect culture. They do reflect, I think, everyone's desire to see a hero, love a hero for most people's desire to see good win yeah. over evil yeah. and, and those kinds of things. They, they are delivering a shadow of the yeah. gospel message. It, yeah. it is 
like you said, we don't attach the gospel onto that, but there are many stories in our world. C.S. Lewis, like we would, we would say that about some of his work. We would say that about Tolkien and, and Lord of the Rings, that there, there is a shadow of the gospel. So yeah. in the contextualization of, of theology and who God is and culture and communicating with teenagers, the question then is, is it possible yeah. for the shadow of the gospel to be kind of that spark that right. when a student sees it to drive them to scripture, to be, yeah. you use the word on ramp. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's the question that was in my mind as yep. you, as you had started, that is like one of these main reasons is because there are shadows of the gospel all around us. And if students start seeing that, yeah. it actually can drive them to God's word. Right. Exactly. And I think along with that too is, so th there are these themes of heroism, uh, good and evil, but then also the muddiness between the two yeah. uh, of like the whole anti-hero movement. Like I mean, mm -hmm. what's that? Like the Punisher. Yeah, like the, the Punisher, uh, the Joker, Harley Quinn, Suicide Squad, Peacemaker. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Black Adam movie just came out, right? There's so many um, instances now where we see postmodernism. I mean, if you just like study like the super nerdy philosophy of postmodernism, uh, it really breaks down into this anti-hero movement of, well, what does it actually mean to be a hero? Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, and so... It's like, well, you know, all of us are neither good nor evil. We're just doing our best. And, and how that how does that work its way into the movies that we consume that feed that? And then as youth workers, um, you know, students are looking around the culture and saying, well, I mean, there's these news stories all the time about youth pastors who are being, um, you know, sued or arrested for uh, abuse or uh people who are, who are deconstructing, who used to disciple me, and now they're not even Christians anymore, and mm. kind of just waiting on all sorts of layers and levels in their experiences of saying, what does it actually mean to be a hero? What does it actually mean to follow God? Because no one's really doing that very well. Yeah. And so these themes kind of play into things. But then we watch we watch these movies and these shows and say, okay, so what does it mean to do good, right? What does it, right? What does Micah six eight mean? What does it mean to 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 do good, to do justly, to walk in mercy, to love the Lord your God, right? What what do, what does that look like nowadays? And then you watch things like Wandavision, um, and it talks so much about themes of like grief and um, sadness and loss. And what happens if you don't know how to handle death and if you don't know how to handle grief? And especially, you know, that came out during COVID and students were experiencing grief for the first time and the loss of, of loved ones and kind of this cultural grief mm -hmm. too. Like, how are we pastoring students who are experiencing grief and allowing, you know, I had so many conversations with students about death and grief because of WandaVision and conversations about freedom and sovereignty because of the Loki series. And, you know, do, are, are any of us actually free or is it all just an illusion in the grand plan of, you know, the TVA? And, right, that there are themes yeah. in these movies. So it's not a Jesus juke, you know, you know, who's 
Thor's not my God. Jesus is my God. It's like, okay, stop it. Like in the, in the Thor movies, like there, there were selfish gods in, in the Thor movie. And that's what Gore, the God butcher was rebelling against. Was he rebelling against the type of God that we see in scripture? Or was he actually desiring in some strange and unexpected way? He was actually desiring the very type of self-sacrificial God uh, that we see in Jesus Christ. And in the end, that was kind of Gore's salvation and the turning point for him when he realized there are sacrificial gods who lay themselves down, but they're few and they're rare. Yeah. That'll preach. It will. And it... Uh, it leads into another spin on this, and that is the importance of connecting. Use, let's use on ramps again of yeah. having on ramps in this way, not just for believing students to to learn more and dive deeper into the gospel for themselves, but people who are lost and far from God to begin to see a glimpse of of the gospel and what it truly means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a few of the on-ramps I, I, that I think through and that I talk about with, with my own youth leaders, right? When we think about guilt and shame, what do we do about that, right? When we talk with students and when we um, are watching movies or whatever, like how does the guilt and shame that uh, people experience, how does that affect them? Yeah. And what does the gospel have to say about grace? And what is the power of grace, for these people. Uh, that's a very clear gospel on-ramp. Right? Think about anxiety um, and the fear that that people struggle with who, who are living with this really like deep sense of anxiety. How does the peace of Christ that passes all understanding minister to them when they are struggling with anxiety, right? Like, so I, I tell students all the time, like, take your meds, and pray, right? Like sometimes I, I do think in um, certain circles, we avoid talking about the medicine. Um, I think other circles are, are starting to only talk about the medicine and the clinical side and never actually call kids to say like, do you allow your anxiety to actually fuel your faith as a constant reminder of saying like, my emotions are not always trustworthy. My emotions are yeah. real. My emotions are valid. But how can these drive me to the cross, knowing that I have a God who loves me and who will provide for me? Yeah. On that right? topic, I would I would be I would be both camps. I would be yeah. there in situations that are yep. pro medicine and what you just articulated and yeah. those things can actually I, I i don't think they're mutually exclusive no i'm not either. saying they are i'm saying sometimes yeah. people treat them as if they are i mean sometimes my Absolutely. best pastoral advice for kids who are anxious or depressed is like take care of your body <laughs> yeah. if you're yeah. if you're eating garbage all the time and you're staying up late in a dark room with a glowing screen in front of your eyeballs until two o'clock in the morning and you're getting four <laughs> hours of sleep. It's going to wreak havoc. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and you're never exercising. Like God designed your body to work in a certain way and you are not allowing the body that God gave you to do you any favors. Yeah, for right? sure. Like that is a theological response. It is. Yeah. So 
uh, man, I, there are uh, few teenagers who actively share their faith. Yeah. Um, there certainly are some, and there are some ministries that, uh, that would put that as a higher priority and do more like, just like there are other ministries that believe certain and focus on like we do missions more or we mm-hmm. do whatever. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get into all that. What, what's wrong about all <laughs> That's that. a whole can of worms. Yeah. But I, I do, as I talk to youth pastors and as a youth pastor over the years, there was a decreasing amount of teenagers who were willing to have gospel conversations with their friends at the lunch table, on the football field, in the oh, yeah. debate room, whatever. Yeah. But the conversation that we've been having here about yeah. teaching students to see the gospel themes that are readily available in the content that our culture produces. Yeah. I think can be an answer to helping teenagers understand how to begin gospel conversations. Oh, big time. Because I think they st- they start and they're like, I-, I think I can have these conversations. I just don't know how to get into them. It's like yeah. the most, it feels awkward. It feels yep. scary. So I'd love to hear you talk about that. And as we teach teenagers to flex the muscle of seeing the gospel themes yeah. in culture, yeah, how that can actually equip them to do what we spend so many hours trying to get them to do anyway. Yeah, so I mean, my son is a freshman in high school, and he's grown up with you know the kids who he goes to school with, and he only knows of one other uh, one other friend who is a gospel believing Christian. Hmm. And so, when that's your context, how do you call kids and invite them to? to share the gospel, to evangelize, to live faithfully. What does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, so whenever I have conversations with my students about how to share the gospel, they totally lean in and are super interested hmm. um, because they're like, I have no idea how to do this in any way that is not just completely terrifying and yeah. equipping them uh, with some of these gospel on ramps about like, you know, guilt and shame and leading to grace and anxiety and fear leading to peace and about uh, depression um, and the hope that we have in Christ and uh, the sadness that we sometimes experience and the joy of the Lord and how God turns our weeping into joy and then our loneliness and what what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit with the presence of God who is always with us, right? That these these on-ramps, these five on-ramps that I use about guilt, anxiety, depression, sadness, loneliness, um, not only does it equip students to be able to identify those um, and to lead clearly into the gospel, it also ministers to those students on discipleship level because we got to acknowledge that our students are also facing uh, and living with many of these same uh, challenges and, and struggles. And so it's it's both evangelism training, but very much it is discipleship for their own souls and making sure, right? Like I was saying earlier, the narrow gospel and broad gospel, uh, but it's this implicit teaching of the broader gospel and applying the gospel to our students' whole selves and to their whole lives, not just gospel as an evangelism tool. Yeah, man. I uh, I wonder, and Nathan, 
uh, question for you as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to shift a little bit here. Is there a particular Marvel personality that you are like, where's my movie at? Like I've, I've this, this, this person has been left out. I'm ready to see them on the screen. When am I getting, when am I getting this, this hero or villain? We can go either way. Is there one Mike for you that you're like, man, I, where are my we thinking MCU or Marvel in total? Uh, I'll, I'll, we can go Marvel in total. We can, or if you have one for just MCU, then that's, I can't wait for Magneto and Wolverine in the MCU. Mm. I think that is going to be incredible. Dr. Doom. Oh, Dr. Doom. You know, I'm Dr. Doom's going to be my answer because okay. he's, he only showed up in one of the fantastic four movies. Um, like years back. Yeah. And it was terrible. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go Dr. Doom as my answer because he is basically Tony Stark evil. Yeah. Um, and that is going to be really compelling because it's not just this one sided villain. Um, I love the villains who have actual reasons for their villainy and for their evil. Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't try to justify the evil like they own like, uh, yes, what I'm doing is wrong and evil and horrible. And I know that here's why that doesn't make it right. But this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, you, know, you mentioned Magneto. And I think that would be a fascinating one, too, because him and Professor X, like basically for the same reasons, went mm -hmm. completely opposite directions yep. in how they they yeah. deal with their situation. I would like to see. I think that's one that would be good. We've just named several that are much better than Ant-Man. Oh, oh, I, yes. <laughs> I. But Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is just such a gem. Well. So I agree. There were certain things that the MCU has, has done. I think out of curiosity to say, can we do a movie called Ant-Man and have people like it? Because if we can, then we can do anything. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. that's true. It, yeah. I think that was their test to see how weird can we get. Mm. Yeah. Nathan, do you have one MCU or greater Marvel that you're like, like dying to see the Punisher outside of Netflix? Or, or what, oh, like, I, what is like that? Probably your... that probably would be one for me. I've always liked like that. Um, I don't know. I, I fortunately, I think I have to admit I don't know it MCU and Marvel as much as I thought I might. Now, if you want to go, if we want to like really get crazy here. Let's get let's get let's get nuts. <laughs> owner of Marvel also owns Star Wars, and now okay. I can have a conversation. Let's, have, let's like. have some crossover. But yeah, yeah, some crossover. <laughs> it is still trippy to me when I'm in, you know, maybe a game shop and see Marvel on the spine of a cover for a Star Wars comic, but I totally get it because that's who makes, yeah. you know, I get it, that's yeah. the whole thing. But yeah. you know, that's kind of trippy. But yeah. uh, I think Punisher would be, I, I love Captain America. Um, I think I had one more in my head just a second ago I'd like to see more of, but I don't remember what that was. Um, oh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I love all of that that stuff. Those are some of my favorite yeah. movies in the Marvel stuff. So even more on that, I would totally be around for. So, so. have you been watching Andor? 
I am halfway through right now. Yeah. It's really good. So it is really good. Yeah. So it's, man, I'm here for all the stuff. I'm here for everything that uh, Filoni and those guys put out just because Mm -hmm. I think they do such an incredible job. The thing I want to see more of, and I think they've hinted that it's coming, is the resolution of what happens at the end of Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars Rebels to me is one of the best pieces of Star Wars okay. writing, even though it's animation. It is just fantastic because I grew up reading all of those novels that then Disney said no longer matter, but I think they're still incredible stories. But anyway, Thrawn comes from some of that line and that whole yeah. thing with Ezra, Thrawn, where does it go? Like I may I may jump out of my seat literally uh, whenever that comes out, if they do it. So anyway. Oh, you know they're going to. They've, oh my gosh, they've got you, right? <laughs> So I think mine, uh, broad universe, like I've always, I collected Punisher comics and like he's all, he's always been a fascinating character. I would love, cause I don't think this is, you correct me. I think I'm correct in this. The most recent Hulk movie solely dead. It was Ed Norton's Hulk, right? Yeah. yeah. So I would love to see a Ruffalo which is the current actor. Yeah. I would love to see his character get a movie. There are rumors of that happening. Are there? There are. Yeah. So I think it's going to happen. The problem is Universal owns the rights to the Hulk movie franchise, which is Uh, why Hulk can be in a movie, but he cannot star in a movie. Gotcha. So that's Mm -hmm. for some reason the way he can be a side character in the MCU. But unless they rearrange the ownership and rights with Universal, he cannot be the lead. Okay. Which is the way Spider-Man was for a while, too. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Ben, why the Punisher? This is all. So, like, when we talk with students um, about MCU and they share, you know, Punisher is my favorite or Spider-Man is my like, Why? Asking them, what do you like about that character? Yeah. is really interesting and you get to learn a little bit about people by asking that so uh, can i do my youth pastor thing on you yeah and ask uh, ben <laughs> let's psychoanalyze ben trueblood here on his own podcast i was on the say, tables and like ask, why why do you like why do you like punisher so much so it started off as a kid uh i liked punisher because he was it, guns yeah like it, it wasn't superpowers. It yep. wasn't I've been give. Like Superman is the most ridiculous superhero to me mm-hmm. because okay. you can't be like you can do anything you want at any time except for this one tiny flaw. Mm-hmm. Whereas Punisher is like the complete opposite. He is a human, non, like there's no serum injected. Like he is just out here with guns. So like that drew me as a kid, but then, uh, as I read and as I've gotten older, the idea of his character being like something tragic happened to me. Yeah. I don't know how to deal with that. So it starts with revenge. Yeah. And then once that's accomplished, I still don't know what to do with my life anymore because the thing most important to me is gone. And so then it's every bad guy gets the same fate as the people that did this to my family. It is, uh, he to me is like super conflicted and he's just, he's just a bad dude. Like he's just a tough guy. Yeah. 
And it's, but, but yeah, the, the idea of he's a superhero that doesn't have superhuman anything. Mm -hmm. Like he's not even rich, right? Like you, like Batman. Yeah. He's not, doesn't have superhuman things, but he's really rich. And so he can have gadgets. Yep. Not the case with Punisher. Nope. Just lots of big guns. Yeah. And a lot of rage. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that would be my, that would be my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And, and then even like Superman. So think about talking with students. If you were Superman and literally nothing except the stupid green rock, right? If, if you yeah. had limitless power, would you still use it mm -hmm. for the good of humanity like Superman does? Or would you just be like, forget it. Who's going to stop me? I'm going to do whatever the heck I want. Yeah. And yet the heroism of Superman is that he can do anything he wants. And yet he still lives this double life. Right. And, and seeks good, seeks justice, does yeah. what is right and best and pure for humanity because he fell in love with the human race. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. And Henry Cavill coming back. I guess oh, yeah, that's exciting. We've just heard that. Mm -hmm. I'm a big, I like, uh, I like him. He's yeah. fun. Yeah. He plays, uh, he plays video games. Yeah, he does. He's a total, he's a total geek. Yeah. So that's yeah. just to say, right. Like, like the, my point in all of it is uh, there's, there's real meaning and depth to the superhero stuff. And sadly it is kind of just like, you're an adult who reads comics. Like, <laughs> yes. Like my life is so serious with like, counseling students and like the biblical studies and theological work like at nighttime i just want to open up marvel unlimited on my ipad and read some comics to yeah. just chill like there are other things that i could be doing that are way worse like yes i will read comics and enjoy it and there's real content and it fuels some really amazing conversations with students just by understanding the worlds that these characters live in yeah yeah well, Mike, it is always uh, a good conversation when you when you're on the podcast. So, man, I appreciate you being here. And again, if you want to check out connect with Mike, youth, uh, youth theologian on social media and then the Thanos to Theos podcast, as well as youth pastor to theologian podcast. All of those things are endeavors that Mike is involved in. So go check him out. Mike, it's always good to talk to you, man. Hey, thanks so much for your podcast and for your ministry. And uh, thanks again for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. All right, this has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We'll see you next time.